0: Welcome back to Frivolous Comma, folks. My guest today is P.A. Cornell, hailing from Ontario, Canada, where she spends her time reading, drinking all kinds of tea, building Lego sets, and of course, writing science fiction, fantasy, horror, and horror stories. You can find her work in several magazines, including Cosmas Infinities, Apex and Abyss, and Haven, among others. Her debut novella, Lost Cargo, will be out in September 2022 from Mocha Memoirs Press. P.A., thanks for making the time.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. So, uh, uh, PA, like, tell me this. Um, it, it, sounds like you've been writing for a long time, like since, since you were very little, you loved making stories and writing stories, but it wasn't until it was it in 2016 that you, you felt like you kind of dedicated yourself to science fiction, fantasy, the speculative genre. Is that, is that right? Yes.
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think I've always kind of written speculative stories. I started very young Basically, as soon as I could write, I could, I started, you know, creating stories or whatever, even a little bit before that. But um, I didn't really seriously get into it, I guess, probably till high school. And then I didn't get serious about publishing my work until like 2016. So when my life was settling down a little bit more, and I had more time to do it. So...
0: So was in in high school was there um was there like uh, influences from from teachers or, or friends and so on that did they support some the speculative uh, genre or no. just writing <laughs> genre well, I was
1: actually okay. very isolated from the writing community um at that time. Um I didn't know any other writers I I basically had no ties to anything so everything that I picked up at that time I just I learned from books and just anything I could get my hands on that was ages ago so it was mostly like from library books and <laughs> it didn't have the internet to rely on or at least not much so uh yeah so it was it was a, a slow start but uh yeah
0: so, so uh, help me through that a little bit here. So, so you didn't necessarily have a community around writing, or or do you didn't have a community around like speculative fiction writing. Neither one. So, yeah. And and so, how like, wh- did you like? Did you? Was it a pretty solitary existence? It sounds like, as, as far as your writing was concerned, yes. did you have any friends or anyone that, that shared your your
1: interest? No, no, <laughs> I was that isolated. So yeah, I mean, there were things I didn't know about. Like in uh, in two thousand two, I attended the Odyssey Writing Workshop, but prior to that, I didn't even know that writing workshops were a thing like this was a brand new realization for me so I mean I was at that level where like oh this is a thing and you know I didn't know that you know lots of people tried to get in and not all people did so like I mean I probably would have been really intimidated had I know that known that Mm -hmm. but uh I guess ignorance is bliss right so (laughs) and I was I was quite ignorant Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, that's very interesting. And so uh, since a young age, you were drawn to the speculative world. What about it was was so compelling to you?
1: I just love that there were really no limits to what you could uh, imagine and like go from there. Like I fell in love, I guess, with all the various genres, probably through film first. So just watching movies and TV and whatever, which there was a lot of when I was growing up. Especially the speculative stuff. There was like a boom, I think, in like the 80s, 90s of like science fiction. There's a lot of fantasy. So um, and a lot of horror, too. So a little bit of everything. And I I gravitated toward books that, of course, had things to do with that. I mean, I read outside genre, too, but but I also really enjoyed that aspect of it. And that was what I felt like I wanted to write.
0: So tell me a, a couple of uh, early influences that really, like I guess, like gateway influences, right, of mm-hmm. uh, either movies or the books that kind of uh, got you down the path of, I can do this.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, this is a tough question for me because I, I never feel like it's any one thing. I feel like all of it was an influence for me, which I know is like not the best <laughs> answer, but I really feel like every little bit I would take something from like, oh, this is really cool or that's really cool and... Uh, Eventually, I kind of just started to do as much of my own thing as I could, too. Not so much, you know, what I'd seen. Because, of course, in the early times, you're just kind of copying what what you see out there. So, I mean, if I have to name, like, like what was I, like, reading at the time? Like, I probably read, like, I read Ender's Game. I remember really young. I read, uh, um, like, The Hobbit, you know, The Biggies, that, you know, oh, and, and... uh I mean, all of it was an influence. I was reading like Ursula K. Le Guin, you know, all the like the big ones that everyone kind of starts with, I guess, or or the classics. Right. You know, I I somehow found them.
0: Did uh, I I know uh, several of the folks that I've talked to, um, you know, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien tend to be some of the first ones, obviously. Yeah. for me, it was uh, it was I don't know if you've ever heard David Eddings, and uh, the the Belgariad series. Mm-hmm. I, um, I haven't
1: read it, but I know I know of it. You yeah. know.
0: Okay, yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting thing that uh, actually drew me to him because I found an interview of his uh, uh, afterward afterwards, and in that he they, they were talking about the you know the kind of magic that he was using and he's like you know what you have to be careful, you know if if you're writing for younger audiences if you tell them you know that they can go you know jump out of the window and fly you, you know you got to be a little careful on how you present that because, uh, you know. Uh, you don't. You don't want them to actually try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is actually really. Uh, I never thought of it that way. this uh, this idea that, you know, in in the fantasy uh, world, if you you have a little bit of a responsibility, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily anything that you came across of like you know this is speculative fiction. And like how I'm writing and presenting this, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to blur the lines between what's reality and what's not. Because I know there's there's some stories around that, like that are out there like that. Right. And they kind of blur those lines. Um, Did you come across any anything like that as you were reading or watching uh, something where you're like, this is really on the edge?
1: Uh, probably. I mean, I grew up mostly like in the 80s, <laughs> where like, oh, okay. nobody yeah. cared how scarred you got as a child, you know, so, <laughs> oh, so it was no holds barred. Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm sure I did. Probably everything, all the media I grew up with was probably not for children.
0: <laughs> but that's yeah, pretty, no, I do yeah. agree
1: that there is a responsibility, especially nowadays. I mean, we're much more aware of, of the effect that we have, or hopefully that's the case.
0: Yeah, and and so now was this now was any of your time like uh, you said you were you you were were you born in, in Chile or were you uh, have you been Yeah,
1: I was I was born there, um, and we moved to Canada when I was about a year and a half old, and okay. then uh, we moved back when I was about nine, and we lived in Chile for I guess till I was around eleven or so, and then moved back to Canada again. So.
0: Got it, got it. Now, in 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 that time, whatever time you you spent back in in Chile was, did you have did that influence any of your writing while you were uh, while you were there, uh, in terms of like the stories, the culture, and things like that?
1: Um, not while I was there because I was so young that I was really like just writing little stories like a little kid would write about like little animals or you know things like that. So, um, but I feel like it's kind of come more to the forefront now. Um, I don't I don't have a lot that's like published or anything uh, about that yet. But um, there are ideas that I'm working with and whatever that are influenced by that uh, things I want to do in the future. And some things I've already written that I'm just waiting for somebody to buy from me. So
0: (laughs) now it's it's kind of impressive, like you have you have a lot of stories that have been out uh, that are out there since 2016. Um, I think that do you do you are you always do you work on a single project at a time or are you working on multiple projects at a time
1: um I'm usually working for the most part a single one at a time uh, it's rare that I'll be working on a couple of things if I if I am it's usually because like they're four like say an anthology call or something and they happen to coincidentally be like uh, the the uh, sorry the date the deadline is around the same time so I have no choice in that sense but I do kind of tend to focus on one. I also write very quickly. So for me to focus on one, that's not really that much time, (laughs) generally. So I can do one story, like say one week, and then the next week do another one. So I mean, I'm not going to say I'm always that quick. But some stories you struggle with more than others. But um, but I can I tend to write pretty quickly when I do so.
0: And, and do you tend to think about your stories uh, a, a lot before you put pen to paper or do you um, – or like do you th- – are you, are you living with your stories for a while that by the time you're at the pa- at paper, you kind of have it kind of set out or do you tend to kind of work on it as, as you know, just kind of stream of consciousness kind of?
1: I would say for the most part, I, I think about them at least somewhat beforehand, at least the general kind of plot points. I'll spend some time thinking about that, or the characters. Maybe I'll be thinking about if it's like a really character-driven thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, there is the occasional story that just kind of, you know, is emerges fully formed as you're typing, basically, and those are great. But then they're not uh, the majority, unfortunately.
0: Now, uh, there's this uh, you know, common dichotomy. I'm pretty sure it's a false uh, dichotomy out there about you know people who write, who plan first and then they write versus people who. You know, let the kind of story, let the spirit take them wherever it goes, kind of thing. Um, do you do you do you ascribe to that dichotomy, or I'm a not bit so much? of
1: a hybrid in that. Uh, okay. It depends. If I'm writing something longer, like this novella um, that's coming out, or or anything like just upwards of that, uh, I will do a lot of planning um, ahead of time. For most short stories, I don't that much. It's a little bit more pantsed. Or at least like the first draft will be, and then maybe I'll I'll do some more planning on subsequent drafts. But yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit of both.
0: Now I was I was looking through the the kind of I, I read four or five of your stories, including your your upcoming uh, novella, and I'm I'm pretty impressed with with um, just the kind of questions you ask, um, for, of, of your characters and, and what you're asking, uh, of the reader to, uh, think about, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of your story splits, which is not something I would have ever thought of, uh, you know, thinking about in terms of, you know, splitting your, your, your identities over, over time. Um, where do you like help me through th- 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 your, your, ideation or your, your inspiration of, of questions? Do you have a question bank that you're like, okay, I'm going to pick this
1: one today? <laughs> uh, not, not exactly a bank. I, I mean, it's literally like I'll just be living my life and suddenly something will come up uh, and I'll think, huh, that's weird. Wouldn't it be interesting if this happened or whatever? And what would that be like? What effect would it have on our normal world, basically? Um, and that's kind of, that happens quite a bit in in uh, the way I write um, oftentimes it's my kids that will like uh, uh, give me like uh, ideas for things like in that sense they'll say something silly or whatever or something they're doing will make me think you know ha, huh, that would be cool if that was a real thing or whatever so so uh, that's kind of how these ideas I guess come to me a lot of the time so
0: um so so do you do you uh recall the the source of uh, of your idea for splits
1: splits was actually one of these weird stories that just emerges fully formed <laughs> i wrote okay. that one super quickly the idea just poured out of me um there there was really no triggering thing for that like i, I want to tell you there was but like there it just kind of came out it wanted to be written and uh yeah, uh, I mean, in a way, I I have explored kind of family dynamics and like age differences and things in some of my other things, and this story kind of combines them both. So I guess, in a way, um, the, thematically, I'd kind of done things that were similar, but I think this story kind of did it in a way that um, stood out more than some of the others, at least to me, because it is one of my favorite stories um, that I've written, so...
0: Yeah, uh that along with for me, like uh, I was I was um I read your a fall uh backward through history.
1: Uh, right? through no, the hourglass.
0: Through the hourglass. I'm sorry. So fall backward through the hourglass is on Cosmas Infinities and that was the first of your stories that I read and it was it was uh jarring because I I saw what's happening, but then uh I did not like you, there are so many directions that that story could have gone uh, where it could have become a little bit of a, 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 candied ending and it very much was not. You left if I felt like the, you know, you left the, the reader holding this, uh, this immense weight of what is going to happen to <laughs> the, to, to the daughter. And it was um, so, so, I don't want to give it away, uh, you know, for the audience that's listening, you need to go find this on Cosmas Infinities. I believe it was issue eight. Uh, I'll put the notes in the show, uh, in the, the show notes, the link in the show notes, but it's, it's a little bit of a Benjamin Button story, but without the trappings of standard Hollywood. Um, <laughs> and it was a short and very, uh, surprising, uh, uh story and a little disturbing, because you kept it very extremely human, and and that's one of the things that I'm noticing about a lot of the stories you're writing is the the focus is nev- is there's there's a grander uh, environment uh, or some kind of an impending event that took place or you know some kind of cataclysmic thing that happened, but as a reader and as a writer, you never really focus on that event. Oh it's always about the fallout. Uh, of it amongst the the characters.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say that's accurate for most of the things I write, Um, especially my fantasy and science fiction tends to be pretty character-driven. It's about how these things affect the characters. I often don't really explain the thing. For instance, in Splits... I, I say there's an anomaly that splits people into various versions of, of themselves at different ages, but I never really say like what happened or how, you know, I don't really say how that problem gets resolved scientifically, because to me, that's not really that important. You know, for some readers, it might be annoying that I don't explain that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, that's just the story I want to tell is kind of like how regular people are, are affected by these like crazy situations.
0: I, I'm, I'm per- personally, uh, I'm driven to these kinds of stories, right? And I think that the, a, lot of the, a lot of the kinds of works that Frivolous looks for and, and we look for are stories about the, the fallout, the after effects. The, um, the best example I can give you is I don't know if you've ever watched the show Foil's War. No, I haven't. It's, it's a detective story based around um, – it's a great show, by the way. It's one of my favorites. It's a detective story based around um, the – like, while World War II is taking place. But it's a police procedural that's taking place in a small town in England at the time. And everything is around how the war is creating situations – crime situations in this small town like there normally would not be crime but here are these situations that are coming up and to me i love that kind of story because there's these big events taking place and you know what are the ramifications what's trickling down to the individual person or 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 group of characters i love those kinds of stories Uh, along that line you have another story called uh tabula rasa Which the premise of it is again one of those fascinating questions I would have never thought to ask. What if somebody's memories get wiped or reset, if you will, every five years? Um, Now, when you now you say you don't, you know, in the story you don't go into the science as much. Um, When you're thinking through this, how much backstory uh, in your notes do you have around this event or the or this you know idea? Um, go ahead.
1: For for that particular one, I didn't have a ton of backstory. That, that was literally like it came to me um, as what I call like an idea nugget, where it's not like a fully fleshed idea, but it was kind of like what if people's memories reset every five years? And I remember just jotting that down. I have an idea file that I keep, so I did nice. that. Uh, and then didn't touch it for several years. And then one day I said, well, I'm going to write this and like see what comes of it. And I just kind of started – pantsing that story, basically, and just seeing where it took me and uh, letting the characters guide that. And um, it just came out as this story about this woman, I don't want to give it all away either, but (laughs) where she's in a not great situation. And she realizes this when, you know, uh, everyone's memories basically get reset. Um, Hers doesn't this time. And it enables her to change her circumstances, I guess. So it was kind of her story more than a story about the anomaly that's causing this, which to me is like a side thing. So yeah, it's, I,
0: I, I liken it to a lot of um, Japanese uh, stories and Japanese anime and manga because they always they have a clever way of putting you right in the middle of a world and no origin stories are ever given to you you just kind of have to deal with whatever's happening and if you if you can't then you can move on and find something else to read but it's like no those authors they almost never apologize for not giving you the backstory as to why something is the way it is i love that because (laughs) uh, i feel like that opens up so many universes of interpretation for that story i think it's great um so lastly I think the the one that I really enjoyed reading it was it was short it was it was very succinct I feel like it was is a good circle um, was vinyl wisdom um, and I think that uh, again very briefly it's 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 kind of post not post-apocalyptic but it's again post an event um, there's a city and then there's this I guess um, like, uh, a, a remnant of a city where there's a, a, a grandson and his grandfather that are living in the, and then they're scrounging, they're scavenging for survival. Really, um, apparently, there's they're part of a larger community that's doing the same thing, and it was really interesting to me. The you set up the tension between the the grandson and the son and the uh, grandfather really well with very few, um, I guess, very few words, and. Was this another one that kind of came to you, and you just kind of wrote it out, or was this something that you kind of planned out a little bit more?
1: Uh, this one took a little bit more work. Uh, that was for originally for an anthology called uh, for um, the anthology of Punk Rock Future so at first I was like oh I don't have anything for this you know I'm not uh, I I like music and I like the whole the punk thing I grew up kind of when that was like a heyday but I I don't have a lot of knowledge of you know I'm not a music historian or anything like that right so I was like ah, ah this isn't for me but um then I kind of started just getting like little bits of ideas for this and I started researching that and through the research I think the story kind of started to develop on its own and again it's kind of a story about like family dynamics and uh it's about more than that too it's also about like what punk means and you know just the whole idea not just the music of it but the whole philosophy I guess of punk and um yeah, so that and that story has to do a lot with just our, our freedom and, you know, when, what happens if we willingly give that away, basically, like what, you know, the pros and cons of that. And also, you know, how that is interconnected with that relationship between the grandfather and grandson. So, um, yeah, that story came a little bit slowly, <laughs> but, uh, but it did eventually um, take shape. The way I wanted it to So I mean it's a really It's again one of my favorites Just because I really love the relationship Between the two of them Because it's like A multi-generational thing Like it's um There's like a big gap between them Because there is kind of No middle generation It's just the grandfather and grandson And they come from very different experiences Like the grandfather grew up in our world And you know Knew what it was like before Where the grandson has only ever known This post-apocalyptic thing So they don't necessarily see eye to eye on a lot of things.
0: That's really, um, yeah. I really enjoyed that story uh, quite a bit, and then and then the the other one that I was thinking about is um, you were uh, in the grip of yesterday. Again, that was super short, um, and uh, but I really enjoyed the the relationship you'd set up. Uh, you know, between it, it's interesting. It was it was the, the character's relationship to what he was remembering or or was thought he remembered you you could never you couldn't really tell if it was a memory or if it was something that he imagined until the end and even then you kind of left thinking about okay is this what, what was what was he thinking of uh at the time um so Again, kind of going back to this this idea of, of what inspires these these questions and, and, and what drives you towards, okay, this is something that I want to explore a little bit further because each of these questions is sort of like every time you write it, there, it's an exploration of that question. And, yeah, go ahead.
1: I think a lot of times, um, sometimes it's ideas that, that – uh inspire it but I feel like a lot of times I write about emotions and that one's actually a really good example of that um in the grip of yesterday because I'm not giving much away here saying that um the main character becomes addicted to a drug called nostalgia which is literally like nostalgia in like drug form so he starts kind of living in the past and and whatever and that actually comes from having been not addicted to nostalgia, but having experienced like, oh, things were so great, mostly when I was younger, you Mm. know, because when you're young, you're so naive about things like that, too. And it's like everything was always so great before and whatnot, or or it'll be great in the future if not, you know, but the present's never that great. So um, I guess just having experienced that feeling myself in a way, I wanted to show how you can get caught up in your emotions. And that's just one of many, but I mean, you could write that story so many different ways with all the variations of drugs that, (laughs) that are talked about in that story.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, the, 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 I feel like all of these are small vignettes um of of family dynamics of of personal character dynamics um and and along those lines you know i think so so talking a little bit about your your novella again not to give it away it's coming out on september 12th um you know this one was a bigger this one was a bigger effort for you am i right in saying this is your uh, debut novella yes Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so obviously, it sounds like you had to plan more of this. Uh, plan more of this out. Tell us yes. a little bit about like how how working on this story was different for you than, than the short stories you've been working on.
1: Yeah, it was quite different. This one didn't just. <laughs> I didn't write this one in 15 minutes. <laughs> um, it went through quite a few different versions. Uh, there was like there were subplots that eventually were eliminated and that sort of thing. It's I've had a number of people read different stages of it uh, so there was definitely a lot more work in this and um the characters even have like changed from like the initial idea to what it will be when it comes out um so uh yeah i mean there's definitely a lot more planning uh i did uh, actually like outline it to a point so i'm not like a a very detailed outliner though like i don't basically write the novel and then rewrite the novel kind of thing. Um, uh, I leave a pretty loose outline, but, you know, the major points were there. So I knew, well, the initial idea for that one, it's kind of really simple. It came from a friend of mine talking about how they went on vacation and the airline lost their luggage. And I was just, the thought of that was like, well, what if they lost something more important, you know, like your pet Mm -hmm. or... Let's say if the cargo was human, what happens if they get lost? And that was kind of just where that started. And then it just developed into something more like a character, the main character who has like a whole backstory of where they come from. And they have like a whole other agenda than the other characters, Um, different problems. So I I incorporated a lot of things in there besides just this situation where you know, these people get stranded. Um, there's all kinds of things that complicate things more. They're first of all, they're in a very dangerous setting. Um, they're all strangers to each other. They all have very different backgrounds. Um, uh, it's a very diverse cast, really. So um, they don't necessarily come to things with the same point of view. And she's got all her baggage that she's bringing with her as well. Um, There's a lot about, like, mental illness and stuff in there, too, that I kind of wanted to incorporate, but, you know, not get preachy about, like, in a way, the story's not really about that, but all those things kind of play a part in complicating their situation more and more, so... Um, I
0: did notice that uh, there was there you, you know you are dealing with people's emotions more more than other stories that I've written uh, that I've read by other other authors right there there's definitely a more uh, sharper focus on what people what each of the characters back backstories especially the protagonists um, you know how it um moves and and how, how it changes how they behave with other folks. Um and you know whether they're more forgiving or they're not so forgiving, you know, and, and you run the gamut of that across across the characters. Um the the one question as I was reading it what that I came to is did you have a challenge uh, uh, you know adding too much to it or or you know having to pare it down um because i feel like there's so much that the, yeah. the so <laughs> many places the story could go and each of the characters could have their own you know sublines and things like that and um was that was that something that you struggled with, with the story
1: uh yeah there was quite a bit in the beginning a lot of what i pared down was that uh, there was just there was too much it's true it's like you said there was a lot uh going on with, uh, like, Parker's backstory. I mean, it gets to the point where, like, as a writer, you know your character's full backstory, but you don't need to necessarily include it all in this one story, right? So it was kind of, like, deciding what was actually important for, for her um, and really for all of them. And like I said, like, other subplots, like, do we really need this little storyline in here? Is it adding to the story or not? Uh, so, you know, that sort of thing, taking that out. So yeah, yeah, it does become, uh, like an editing process, which I'm fine with. I really like editing, so.
0: <laughs> I, I I'm not sure if I, I, I'd hear that same sentiment from uh, too many authors that I've talked to, uh, <laughs> that the Well, intro- I've
1: worked as an editor, so it's like for me, it's. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I prefer to edit other people's stuff for sure. Sure. But, but uh, it is still part of, uh, uh, something I enjoy. the most part so
0: do you edit while you write or are you able to kind of shift uh roles for yourself as you're writing
1: for the most part i don't because i try and get the story down as quickly as possible while i'm still like feeling the energy of it um other than minor tweaks or whatever i kind of just leave the heavy editing until i've done at least one draft because otherwise, yeah, you'll just get into eternal. Like first paragraph is fantastic, <laughs> and everything else isn't even there yet. So right,
0: yeah, oh yeah, no, I I, I ask because I I uh, struggle with that. I, uh, I have a flaw of of trying to edit my work as I go. And, and you know, as you said, the rest of the page remains blank. Um, <laughs> and I've talked to a couple of other, uh, you know, writers that I work with and it's, you know, so that, that's why I was asking is like, are you able to turn that off or, or not so much? Because if, if you do, I think that w- I think we need to know the secrets to, to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to, to a point. And I think even when I'm editing for other people, I'll do like several passes that are like for different reasons so um so then you can only you only focus on that one thing otherwise you're just gonna i mean some things will leap out at you anyway and you maybe will make a little note of that as you go but for the most part it's like with something very specific in mind
0: now i think was it in 2000 or was it in uh 2000 uh you joined was it 2002 uh, that you joined a uh writer's workshop
1: yeah, that was uh, the Odyssey Writing Workshop. Awesome. So Do, that was us. a summer yeah. of 2002. Tell
0: us a little bit more about that. Was um, how, what drew you to that writers' workshop? Was that like because up until then you didn't know that writers' workshop yeah. existed, right? So um, how did you get connected with uh, the writers' workshop?
1: Oh, it's kind of funny because <laughs> I was pretty uh, young then, and uh, I picked up um, this book called The Signs of Star Wars because I really like science and I really like Star Wars. So I thought, well, this is fantastic, I'm gonna read this. So I did, I read it. And being young, I was uh, like, oh, I have some things to say about this or like questions to ask. You know, the discussion wasn't over for me, basically, when when I finished reading the book. And I saw that the author had left their contact information at the back of the book, so I sent her an email. And the author of that book is Jean Cavellos, who is also the director and founder of the Odyssey Writing Workshop. So I don't remember exactly what my email to her said, but she did. She wrote back and talked to me about some of the things that I was uh, wanting to discuss about her book. And also, I guess I had mentioned that I was a writer and, uh, and that I wrote science fiction, which is what I write primarily. And uh, she mentioned this workshop and, you know, how to go about applying for it and everything. And uh, I did. So, <laughs> and the rest is basically history. At that time, I was writing um, like novel length things for the most part. So I sent in a novel excerpt and uh, and went to that. And for me, it was a really great experience. It really and,
0: helped me. And and uh, t- tell us a little bit more. What what for you uh, stood out from that from that writers' workshop that really encouraged you uh, along your path there?
1: Well, I think that was the first time I had um, experienced like peer editing the way it's done there or peer critique, really, I should say. Um, I had at that point made some kind of like got my foot in the door a little bit with the writing community in Canada, but it was for like more literary writing. So I was kind of the odd person out there writing genre fiction. And a lot of the critiques I got were just from people who obviously don't read that sort of thing. So there's only so much they can help you with. Um, So this was completely different from that because these were people that actually were reading speculative fiction and could give you like real feedback on that and the way, the way it was structured and everything was new to me and very helpful. So, you know, um, that was probably what I took from it the most, just the way you read and analyze stories. And it kind of changed the way I write in a way, because, Now I was thinking about things in a different way.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting um, because, you know, there's there's actually an article and I'm going to be writing about this uh, next week. Um, uh, RF kuang she wrote this article i believe it's on tour i'll need to find it um but basically it's a question of um you know uh, you know writers workshops and the methodology that several of them use and whether that's helpful for people who are not um i guess intrinsically motivated to talk um yes uh, i read that actually i saw that that? okay which one i'm talking about (laughs) again i'll put the (laughs) links in the show notes what was your if you don't mind my asking like what was your your a reaction to, to that. Uh, I don't disagree.
1: Out. I feel like that it's something that can be very helpful for the right people and very detrimental for others. Um, also, I mean, some of the descriptions I've heard of some of other people's experiences were not what I experienced. Um, but I mean, again, this was also like in 2002, I don't know things might've changed for these things now I don't know if if they have or not um so I think it's really yeah it's it really depends on who you are uh it it is very intense like the workload uh you're having to produce a lot of stories very quickly which is not for everyone it's Mm. really easy to burn out and even for me where I said like I am a fast writer I tend to be fairly prolific um it, it was a lot at the time and when I came back from that experience I didn't write for at all for a very long time because I kind of needed to recover from that um so that's totally legitimate um mm. I really think yeah there is this mentality where it's almost like you need to go to a workshop to like get your foot in the door and whatever and for me in a way that was kind of true but um because I had no other way to do it at the time but um but it was more helpful to me in other ways, I think, than, than just that. But it's not necessarily going to be helpful for everyone. So, I mean, you really kind of have to, I guess, it's hard to know in advance if it's what the experience is going to be. But, I mean, you kind of, you want to ask questions of maybe people who have gone, if you have access to those people, or, you know, read up on what the Basically, the course load, I guess, is going to be before you go. Just kind of ask yourself, is this for me? Am I going to be able to, to do that? And, you know, there's also a social aspect of it, which, again, is not for everyone. Like, I'm fairly introverted, but um, it was okay for me. Like, I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert, so I can be, like, social <laughs> when I need to be. But for a lot of people, yeah, that can be a struggle and it can be really physically exhausting even.
0: Now, was this one in, was this an in-person workshop or was it a remote
1: workshop? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they do. Well, there, I don't think there was a remote option at all anyway, then. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was in person. So that's another thing too. I mean, it's six weeks of your life. You know, can you afford to take the time? Do you have the money that, you know, that sort of thing. Um, at that time I wasn't married. I didn't have children. I was, uh, A college student, so I had the summer off anyway. So it was kind of everything kind of fell into place for me then. But if I wanted to do that now, it would be impossible unless it's online. So, yeah, so that's something else to consider.
0: It's interesting to me that uh, because, you know, I think that. Uh, I'm lucky to have a couple of folks that I can rely on to be like readers and, and people like, and who are also writers who are you know, helping me through. And they're also genre fiction writers. And so they are you know, happily giving me feedback on this. Did, did the, the workshop kind of jumpstart your writing community? Like do you have one now or is that something that you still continue to, need to try to cultivate?
1: I I do have one now. Uh, Not so much from that workshop because I kind of took some time in life-wise to, and between then, like I was saying, like that was two thousand two, and I didn't really seriously get into trying to publish my work until two thousand sixteen. So that's a massive gap there. So I had a lot of things going on in my life. So the people that I met there, while I do have friendships that stem from that, they didn't really become my writing community, and a lot of them are not really writing so much either. Um, these days, so there wasn't so much that there, but, um, I, I guess I found that more when I joined, um, uh, the Codex on ri- online writing group okay. and, uh, that's kind of become more my community. I've met like people through there that, uh, that we do critiques for each other, that sort of thing. Um, people who answer questions and then eventually I, I joined SIFWA too, which again, you meet some more people there. So kind of gradually it's been expanding just, you know, through meeting people both in person and mostly online for me because in Canada, there's not, there's not a lot of writers around me that are that I know from online as well. So.
0: Uh, I think, I think that's, that's fantastic. And I think that, you know, one of the, the things that I've been very curious about is, you know, the, the, the value that that folks get and receive receive and give in a in a workshop and then you know what is it that that as writers we're really looking for i guess now that if you were to go back to a workshop or if you were to be a part of one i think uh let me ask you that like would you what would you be going in there for uh is there something are you in a different place today and you'd be looking for something else from that workshop today than you know when you first obviously first started
1: for sure I think when I first went I mean I was so oblivious to everything that I think I went in with zero expectations um other than I'm gonna do some writing <laughs> so uh yeah I was almost laughably naive but uh yeah now I would go in just kind of looking like I would have a better idea of what skills maybe I want to work on more um just knowing myself better as a writer I guess in general um I I don't think I'd ever go into something like this thinking like, oh, I'm going to make connections in the industry that are going to like open doors for me because I I don't, I don't, it's not me to do that. I don't, I'm not a make connections kind of person. I'm very much a make friendships kind of person. And sometimes that can in some ways benefit you eventually in the long run, but it shouldn't be the end goal, I think. I think there's, people know when you're sincere or not about that sort of thing. Um, So that aspect of it, I don't know if that, if that, if anyone really goes into it, maybe they do <laughs> into with the, with that in mind. But um, yeah, I think for me, it's more about leveling up your skills. Um, and then, you know, like you're saying, what can you give back to? Because you are, you're also giving when you go there. It's not just you learning stuff. It's also, you're all mutually teaching each other through the critiquing process and whatever. So you're really trying to Help other people improve their skills too. And, you know, you're, I think, I don't know, there's like a, there's something special about that. I feel like that when you look at someone else's story and you want them to succeed as badly as you want yourself to succeed. And you genuinely get excited when you see that some story you read in the rough is now published you know at least i do and i know a lot of other people do too and it's like yay that thing i read was like is finally you know out in the world where other people can read it too so
0: that's pretty amazing so now have you have you uh done anything where you're i'm like i guess mentoring other writers or is that something that um you've thought about
1: I haven't yet because I still feel like so new at this and I know everybody really does. So I kind of just need to get over that at some point. But yeah, as a part of Codex, Codex does have a mentoring program. So does SIFWA. So um, I probably will at some point.
0: Yeah, I I I think that, you know... um the I've been, as I said I've been very lucky to have some uh, some writers who are like okay you know what we're gonna band together and kind of w- work on our projects together and it, that's been really really helpful it's just I think I think the, the biggest thing that I think workshops help folks with or just just that community helps with is that we're all struggling with the same questions and and feeling that you're in you're in the mud or in the trenches uh, along with everyone else um i think that at least to me that's the biggest draw is like okay it's okay to be where i am um i think that uh that's i think that that's where you know as as we build out frivolous comma and so on that that's kind of where the, the purpose of it is, is to say, okay, we're all kind of working on the same stuff. Every new story doesn't necessarily give you any better leg up. If you've written uh, all these other stories, you know, you might be better at writing the mechanics of it, but when you're writing a story, it's, you're still starting at scratch in a lot of cases and and you're still trying to come up with, okay, how do I, how do I organize this to, to be compelling enough? Um, uh, the, uh, along those lines, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, you know, so, you know, in terms of like leveling up, you, you, where, what do you feel like you are working towards or, or things that you're working on as a writer now that you've, you've gotten some stuff published? You, you know, you're obviously further along than, than several writers, uh, you know, but where where do you think you're working on next uh, for yourself?
1: Uh, I'm I'm actually making my life harder for myself. <laughs> that's that's what I'm doing right now, giving myself migraines, um, because I'm writing or I'm trying to write much more complex stories than I did in the past. Um, I'm working on Run right now. That's uh, there's a lot of like, what you'd call hard science fiction, as part of it. It's still a fairly character driven story, and there's a lot of of a lot of you know my style in it, but it's much more science-y than I've done in the past. Um, it's also set in the near future, so it has to be fairly plausible for what we know now. So there's a lot of research involved and whatnot. So that's the sort of thing I'm kind of trying to do now because um, you can, like, something like A Fall Backward Through the Hourglass is like just comes straight from my imagination. I don't really need to do any research for that or anything because it's like a pure fantasy and it's like quite a simple story, not very long and whatnot. So breaking away from that and doing something where people are going to like look at it and go like yeah that's not scientifically possible or whatever you know she really messed up there <laughs> that's where i'm um kind of trying to break into that i guess do a little bit more of of the harder stuff, harder stuff.
0: now is that does that also include like lo- a lengthier or longer longer word count uh, works that you're you're pushing yourself towards
1: um not so much i mean i really enjoy short fiction and like i said when i started i was actually writing longer things and i've gotten shorter um for until like a couple of years ago or maybe three years ago i'd never written flash fiction i was always writing like novelette and up um so for me that was kind of a challenge for myself actually let's see how small i can write i haven't quite gotten to the drabble stage yet maybe one day that that would be a, a challenge for me um, and it's, it's quite hard. I really admire people that can write a story in like a couple hundred words or, or less. Um, that's super challenging. Um, and that's still kind of a goal of mine. Um, but I really do enjoy the freedom that I get from short fiction to just explore a bunch of different ideas and settings and characters. And um, yeah, so it's not, I'm not really like, oh, okay, this is just a stepping stone to eventually you know, publish my novel. Um, to me they're two separate things and I do have some ideas that I think would work better in a longer format and I might tackle those at some point they're there they're just waiting to get enough pieces I guess to make a whole um but it, I would I think I'd always write shorter fiction anyway too because I just love them all I just figure the stories tell you what length to make them at <laughs> very
0: cool. And now do you have uh I noticed a lot of your stories are science fiction. Have you have you uh, dabbled with uh, either fantasy or horror?
1: Uh yeah. Well, I mean, fantasy's like the like a fall backwards. Um they're all very like based in our world. The kind of fantasy I write, like I don't do like, you know, elves and gnomes or anything like that. It's not there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to get people adding me on Twitter. <laughs> uh that's Awesome, but um, it's just not what I write. Uh, so I like that kind of like you're in your everyday world and something unusual happens kind of situation. Uh, so that's what I do with fantasy. Um, I really love horror. I haven't written as much horror because I feel like horror is incredibly hard to write because I'm not easily scared that much. So, it, and you kind of have to scare yourself, I feel like, when you're writing horror. Um, maybe people who are like real horror writers, um, get that, I don't know, or they find a way around it or something. Um, so I don't write as much of that, but I love it. I love watching horror movies to this day, like the scarier, the better. Um, and I love reading it too and all kinds of horror. So like just from like light supernatural kind of stuff to like really scary. Um, so I would like to write some more horror. It it might happen.
0: That's fascinating. Now, now, and do you have uh, certain authors that uh, I guess, who are your kind of like go-to authors today, um, or folks that you really look forward to reading work from? Um, oh and gosh! And it doesn't have to be genre genre authors. Maybe maybe you have like non uh, non you know sci-fi authors or folks that you're you're paying attention to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone that I'm like, really like, oh, I have to read everything by this person. I think it's more like just if a story sounds like it's going to appeal to me, I'll read that. I don't really care who writes it. Um, sometimes if I really love something, I'd be like, oh, let's see what else this person has written. Uh, a lot of the times I'm reading things by people that I kind of that I know, like either from just my own writing community, like either online or uh, online. or or that I've met in person, um, and just seeing what their thing is next. And, and yeah, and then you gradually find like the people that like, Oh, I really like their style, you know, so I'll read more of their stuff, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really like a, an author fangirl. (laughs) I'll say like, I don't, I think when I was younger, there were more like, Oh, this is my favorite author kind of thing. Now I'm kind of all over the place. And, um, and I read, like I said, I read a lot outside of genre too. I like, um, I like nonfiction quite a bit too. So, um, or biographies and things like, so it's just whatever, whatever comes my way, kind of, I'll, I'll read almost anything.
0: I think uh, one of the, the stories that I come to mind, and, and I think that uh, it, it, I'd almost uh, like would love to see your your version of the story, because I think that a lot of the characters, the way that you present characters and their dynamics is is richer, um, is actually Kim Stanley Robinson's um, Ministry of the Future. I don't know if that's anything okay. that you've read or, 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 uh, or heard of.
1: I haven't read that in particular but I've read uh, a lot of Kim Stanley Robinson in the past he was actually one of my early reads when I was like a exactly. teen and okay. stuff so yeah so yeah so I do like his style his, so. uh,
0: the, the Ministry of Future at least my my take on it is it's it's a little bit it's a little heavy read because it's it's so near future and it's like so uh, relevant to what's going on today in the, in the climate and so on but um, the character building uh, is is it serves its purpose to to round out the 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 crisis that's taking place. So I'd be actually it'd be very interesting to me to see the kind of like the fallout version of what he's what he's the, the environment that he's created in his story, um, and I'm sure that in probably one of his several other st- uh, novels he's done that but uh, this one was uh, particularly intriguing to me and i was like all right this would be very interesting to see you know P- uh, pa's take on this one but um <laughs> is there uh, you know we're we're coming up to time here but i wanted to ask you is there any particular advice or or words of suggestion you would give to aspiring writers you know considering what you've gone through and and mm-hmm. you know, where you are at today
1: yeah, I mean it's always tough to give advice because what works for you might not necessarily work for someone else. But for me, <laughs> what has worked and what might work for someone else um, is first of all you really have to believe in yourself because this is not the kind of thing where you know other people are going to necessarily like clap at you, or pat you on the back, or give you awards. Just when you're starting out, like you have to keep writing because you love it because you love your stories. Um, I don't try to write to market or anything. I write what I want to read, which for me has worked. Um, you know, if other people's experience is different, that's great for them. I mean, I'm a big, like, if that's working for you, great. And I think that's part of the advice I'd give too, is figure out what is going to work for you and go with that. Um, I also, I, I'm not a write-everyday person. Uh, that does not work for me for my lifestyle, for my mental health. That's just not for my physical health. even it's not what I do. Um, but I do think you have to have some consistency um, if not at one, if not every day, then at least as often as you can. Uh, just to exercise that muscle, even if all you're doing is like just doing like a quick prompt that's never gonna lead to anything, at least you're kind of working on that. And finally, the don't self-reject advice when you're submitting. Uh, Don't just assume like, oh, you know, Neil Clark is not going to buy this for Clark's World because, I mean, he hasn't bought any of my stories yet either. I'm still trying one day. (laughs) Um, You know, you just have to keep going. Basically start at the top and work your way down and see like, and you'll eventually kind of get to know some of the places that do like what you're doing and If, for instance, your stories never suit Clark's world, that's fine. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. It's just not what that particular publication um, wants. But that doesn't mean there's something wrong with what you're doing. It can be very right for someone else. Like, for instance, I've sold a few stories to Cosmas Infinities. They seem to like what I do, which is fantastic. I think it's a great publication. So... You know, not just because they publish me. <laughs>
0: no, I've read a lot of, several of Cosmas' infinities, and I, I would agree. I really enjoy yeah. the, uh, the, the, their publications uh, quite a bit. And um,
1: yeah, it's, it was great quality too. Yeah, and, so. I, and I think
0: I, I, I want to double click on this about not self, uh, you know, rejecting, and also uh, you know, writing what you write, because I think I read in an interview of yours uh, the, the number of rejection slips, that notes that you've gotten, right? Yeah. Like, I think do you, do you keep a tally of these? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I use the submission grinder. I don't know if you're familiar. And uh, that keeps a tally for me. <laughs> so I can I can look anytime I want to see how many rejections I'm at. And yeah, I mean, rejections don't bother me too much. I know they can be really disheartening for a lot of people. And that's totally valid. I'm kind of like, well, you know, I'll just keep going. And I feel like I submit as often as I can. So that, you know, a rejection comes in. And if I can send that story out again, immediately, I do. Just to kind of like you go from, oh, well, that sucks. And to, you know, well, okay, let's see what this one does, which, you know, changes your mood, Mm. you know, right away because you're not dwelling on that rejection. That said, there can be rejections that you were really hoping, you know, somebody like, you know, especially like if you wrote a story for a particular market, like for instance, an anthology call and they don't take it. And then you can be like, oh, well, what am I going to do with this now? Because it was so perfect for this. But now, you know, who knows? Or whatever if it's a dream market so yeah they can be disheartening but I try not to really let them get to me and for the most part I'm pretty like I don't I don't care I have like a million rejections I don't know how many I have really I'm not super worried about it I'm not the kind of person who's um watching their submissions all the time to see like if it's moved up in the queue or not or whatever like I kind of send them out and forget them and write something else which is another piece of advice, just keep writing because then you're not dwelling on that kind of stuff.
0: Very cool. Well... this has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, I think Thank that you. our our listeners will will um, look forward to reading your stories. And I think on your website you have them listed for your short stories, several of them, and then yep. your uh, debut novella coming out September twelfth, if I recall. Uh, and we'll make sure we'll be also posting about it as well. So this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Pierre.
1: Great. It was fun for me too.